With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Good morning and welcome to the Capital District's Money and Investment Program. You are listening to the Fagan Financial Report. Aaron and Dennis Fagan here taking your calls at 1-800-TALK-WGY. That's 1-800-825-5949. Aaron, that's 1-800-825-5949. Feel free to give us a call at one of those numbers. What's going on? How are you? Good. How are you? Good, good. What's that noise? Zach, Zach must have passed hey, out. Hear that? How are you? Good. You know, I, yeah. Last week it left me hanging. The number to Schwab is one eight seven seven. So I just always have that stuck in my head. One eight seven seven. One eight seven seven. Right. So that's yeah, what they got these these smartphones. They can put your num the number right in there. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. You can text somebody. You know, like twenty minutes before the show and ask for the number. Not when I'm when they don't uh, text you back. But not when I'm in the midst it. of doing it on my own. So, anyways, for those for those yeah. listeners that did not listen last week, Aaron was going to call in at ten thirty, and he dialed one eight seven seven. So, um, needless to say, I was flying solo for a half hour, Aaron. You know how yeah. fun, much fun that is. Oh yeah. So, <laughs> anyways, got a lot to talk about today, and some some stuff is a little bit of a a, a kind of a recap or, or things we talk about. Quite, quite frequently, but we're going to talk about NASDAQ up year-to-date and then take a look at growth versus value. We'll take a look at target funds year-to-date and target funds over an extended period. Jeff Gunlack manages the biggest um, bond fund in the United States, double line. We own a lot of it. But, you know, what happens when bond managers come out of their, their, really their, their strong suit and move to the stock market? We'll talk a little bit about what he has said. Um, and unemployment is obviously what we want to talk about over an extended period. Oil. Um, so there's just some topics we'll touch on. Bitcoin above 10,000. Paul Tudor Jones, a renowned hedge fund manager, has gotten into Bitcoin and sees it as a hedge against inflation. I believe over the past few weeks we've been talking about inflation as somewhat of a concern for the mark for uh, our economy two and three years down the road. And we'll, we'll talk a little bit about that. Uh, but again, most importantly, take your calls at 1-800-TALK-WGY. That's 1-800-825-5949. Feel free to give us a call with some questions on your mutual fund, ETF, or individual security, social security, retirement planning. You know, are you planning to retire now? Are you going to put it off a little bit? Uh, I would imagine that the state with its budget deficit is going to be offering early retirements. Are you going to consider taking that? So there's a lot to talk about today. Uh, but but I guess what, talk to me a little bit, Aaron, about what you think are the, are, are the like what, what what do you think is the, the if you couldn't talk you, you can only talk about one thing today. What would it be? I think you got to go with the unemployment numbers and all the numbers that came out Thursday and Friday. You know, non-farm payrolls, labor force particip- participation rate. I mean, I, th- I think the economic data coming out is the most interesting. You know, as the market, you know, the market Thursday, Friday was up considerably. So, you know, I think those, I think, I think those are obviously the most important things for people. Yeah, market was up 211 on 
Thursday and, uh, you know, 4.55 on Friday to end the week. So, you know, I think expectations and numbers in, in the economic data coming out is the most important, and I think that's what kind of investors are following. And, you know, even if the numbers are awful like they've been, they're not as awful as we expected. And that's kind of what we, we saw Thursday or Friday with the reaction to the market. And, and that's what we often say. And I just also, one of our larger holdings, and uh, this number is as of, Little, little, uh, not as organized, sitting here in our office as we are at the at the station itself. So take me a minute to look this up. But Disney, and, and you were saying it's it's the response of the market to, uh, or the response of investors to information that is as important as the information itself. When you look at Disney, which is our 17th largest holding as of the end of March, uh, came out with earnings that that were not that good. Uh, on the media side, and we'll, yeah. maybe we'll touch on this more, but the, on the media side, earnings were up 28% year-over-year to $7.3 billion. $6.5 billion was the consensus. On the flip side, parks were down 10% year-over-year. And again, if you look at the, the COVID restrictions, the quarantines, they really only went in during the month of March. So Disney had two months, really, of, of uh, producing revenue our parks, but they were still, uh, and that was short of consensus. And yet, the stock stock moved up uh, two or three on uh, two or two or three on uh, Thursday, and then another two or three on Friday to close at one hundred nine sixteen, up three three dollars and fifty nine cents actually on on Friday. So it's it's how the how the market responds or how investors respond to information that's really uh, quite important. But so if you let's let's just get to let's. Well, why don't let's 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 talk about the, the the week in the market, and then we can go from there, Aaron. And then we'll get right to the unemployment numbers. Yep. Um, the Dow up 606 points to close at 24,331, up 2.56 percent for the week. The Dow is still 17.6 percent from its all-time record high set on on February 12th at 29,551. So we're sitting around 5,220 points away from its all-time high. So the Dow, because it's coming from a lower base, needs to go up about 20% from here to hit the all-time high. The S&P 500 up 99 points to close at uh, 2929. The all-time high for the S&P 500 was set at 30. It was set uh, on um, February 19th at 3386. So the S&P 500 is 13% from its all-time high. The Nasdaq. Uh, at 98.17 was its all-time high. The Nasdaq closed up 500 points, up 6% this week at 91.21. So the Nasdaq is about 700 points away from its all-time high, 7%. You know, uh, Nasdaq's up for the year, year to date. You know, sometimes I think we talk about, you know, what do you make of that specifically, the Nasdaq as opposed to the S&P 500? You know, I think that, I think that, what we've been saying for, I guess, a long time is, you know, there is no alternative. And I think people are trying to go to the companies that that will get through this and, and won't be hit as bad economically. Um, you know, I think that's the NASDAQ, you know. There's biotech in the NASDAQ. There's technology in the NASDAQ. Um, what I'm thinking is that I think the, the, the sectors that are doing good are almost the ones where – um, it's more about growth rate, it seems like, than it is about your bottom line, right? So, you know, yes, we know this will hurt, um, hurt, hurt the economy, but you know, it seems like people are flocking to, to the to, to the names that you know are are still um, ha- have have really high growth multi- multiples. 
Right, and also I think if you look at, you know, we'll touch on the non-farm payroll report now, uh, non-farm payrolls dropped by, you know, 20 million, 20 million jobs during the month of April, and 7.6 million of those 20.5 million came from uh, leisure and hospitality. So you, you, you had just mentioned the NASDAQ is comprised of technology. NASDAQ is comprised of biotechnology. NASDAQ is comprised of, you know, uh, information services, tele, some telecommunications. So uh, I didn't hear anything about leisure and hospitality. So you look at 7.6% of, um, of uh, excuse me, 7.7 .7 million of the 20.5 million were in leisure and hospitality. So that's why... The NASDAQ is performing so well. The second thing I'll say is that, you know, 7.7 million, that's half, about 47% of total positions in the leisure and hospitality business, which employs probably around 17 or 18 million people. So, you know, I think that's why the, the, the NASDAQ has continued to do well relatively. Um, and I think you, yeah. Go. Oh. No, you know, I was just thinking, you know, I think you have to think of cloud computing companies now, too. I mean, think of – it's not like we're – yes, some businesses are closed, but these businesses are going online. This data still has to be stored somewhere. This transfer of data from, you know, one person to the next and the storage of data, this is still taking place even though we're not in the office. You know, and you look at Google, you look at even Apple with Apple services, um, Amazon Web Services, Microsoft Azure. Like, these companies, you know, have, have – are, are kind of leading in this cloud industry. So I think that, you know, the NASDAQ isn't as correlated to, 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 to the economy as we've thought of in the past. You know, every year that goes by, we're more and more of a service-based industry. And as we become more of a service-based industry, you know, uh, it's not as much about how much we're spending. It's about how much, how much economic activity is going on can still from, I guess, from one business to another. Um, you know, as, as, as we, as we um, I guess, transfer our data onto, you know, Microsoft Azure through their Outlook 365, you know, we've stepped up doing that. We've stepped up with our CRM system. So I think this is the time where businesses are kind of rethinking how they do things. And, you know, the lack of business in the meetings face-to-face -face is, giving people, is giving businesses an opportunity to shift their, their, their business um, onto the cloud or, or kind of, or, or look at operations and you know upgrade their operations. So you know I think businesses are still figuring out how to spend money and they're doing it in ways. I think they're speeding up their the process of of, of how they're I guess maturing you know as companies. And, so and we're that seeing would that be a lot of the earnings like like the Twilio's of of the world or you know we saw that at Laz at Lazy and Core which is software as a service and it's a collaboration tool which both had great earnings and I think we're really seeing that. Um, and, and we're even seeing that with our own business. Right. You know, and, and I guess what I would say is that, and that, that, that your comments there, and they're very well, very well put, were confirmed in something I read in Barron's over the weekend. And I, I'm not going to look up the article, specific article. I don't have it right in front of me, but it was somebody had said that uh, maybe it was a columnist for Barron's or maybe uh, he or she was quoting somebody specifically from, uh, one of the tech companies, perhaps a Microsoft like, but uh, the comment was that this transition to the cloud, this transition to working remotely, this transition to the collaborative, uh, more of a collaborative economy, uh, has pulled, been pulled forward from a 
what was it, two years down the road to maybe five or six months down the road. Yeah. You know, and I think that's what you're saying. It's accelerated the whole process. I guess my question mm-hmm. to you, I guess my question or thought topic is twofold. One is, I'll come right out and say it, that this is not another 1999. These are big companies with massive revenue streams, streams of revenue, massive streams of revenue that come from subscription models, and a lot of that revenue with, with, with profit margins that are flowing, that are, that are flowing you know, a lot to the bottom line, which is telling me that... With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Uh, these companies are not nearly... Uh, as outlandishly valued as they were back in 1999, when Microsoft was making 25 cents and selling at 80 bucks a share, you know Microsoft will make you know three or four bucks, and is or maybe two or three bucks and is selling at uh, three or four bucks, excuse me, and selling at you know 160 or 170 now. So uh, I guess my point is is that I don't see them as overvalued over the long haul, but have we kind of discounted at least for the short term uh, that acceleration of Earnings and uh, migration to some of these companies. You know, have, have we, have, when when are we, when have we priced this in? Given the economy, because I think it's going to be a year and a half or two years before that leisure and hospitality sector, which has lost you know 7.6 million jobs just during the month of April. You know, how many jobs are they going to get back? And at some point in time, even a company like Microsoft, who, who like I think I mentioned four or five bucks. Projected earnings next year are six bucks a share, so they're trading at 30 times next year's earnings. At some point in time, they're going to hit the wall because you need a you need a full economy, including the leisure and hospitality sector, in order to really drive even that company forward. Don't you think? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so that's my yeah, well, no, that, so that's my concern. Yeah, and I, I would say like the. Yeah. Adding on to that concern, I'm concerned about this whole, you know, we reopened the economy. I know Cuomo just said we're, we're, we're putting this off to June 6th. Um, so let's say everything goes perfectly, restaurants open six weeks after that, right? So that's kind of what they're estimating, you know. Restaurants will probably be the last, uh, you know, the last sector to open, let's say. So what I'm nervous about is once we start doing this, opening everything back up is – all the media will start talking about is this second wave, um, like what happened with the Spanish flu, which was even worse than the first wave. So I, I'm nervous that the media starts talking about the, sec- the second wave that is going to come, or there is a second wave that comes in November or December, and I think that could slow economic activity between you know um, June 6th and and November. You know, I think people will still be hesitant if we keep on talking about a second wave to go out and spend. Another thing I thought was interesting, too, is even if people do feel comfortable, not everyone will feel comfortable. People over 70 probably still won't feel comfortable. Yes, yes, younger people will, still, will feel comfortable, but it's not just everyone feeling comfortable or everyone not. It's age sectors feeling comfortable. And the older the age sector, the more money they have, the less comfortable they'll feel. So that's another thing I'm just kind of thinking about and a little bit you know, hesitant about going forward. 
And I also think even if you look at like um, you know if you look at the, that leisure and hospitality sector, um, I was talking to mom about this yesterday, uh, and it's like, all right, do you, do you really want to go out to dinner where the server has a mask on, where there's where there's um, no. where there's uh, hand hand sanitizer right at the table, uh, where there's a, a glass screen between you and the next table, where maybe you have to take your temperature on the way in. So these are all things that, even if these restaurants open, uh, and, and perhaps capacity will be limited for quite some time, that even if the restaurants and venues and, and Disney parks open, uh, you know, what's the experience going to be like, and is the is the is the burden of the experience going to going to outweigh the actual experience? You know what I mean? Is is or is the cost of flying if they have to take seats out? You know, the, those types of things are going to outweigh. The benefit, and I think we haven't really looked at that yet. I, I do think that the, the 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 Fed, backed by Treasury, upon the approval of Congress and, and the Trump and the signature of the Trump administration, has done a, a, a great job. Once it's kind of gotten a hold of the the financial impact of this crisis, um, but you know, I just can't imagine that we're going back to all time highs in the market anytime soon. Meaning this year. Um, without some sort of a, and I won't even call it a retest, because I think a retest would imply that the Dow goes back to, you know, 18.5, where it was on March 23rd of the S&P 500 to 2200. But I think at some point in time, uh, the market is going to test the metal of investors over the next, you know, you know, few weeks. Uh, so that, yeah. that, that would be yeah, what, I'm, what I'm thinking. I, I don't know. I don't know. I know we've talked about it all the time in the office, that same thing. And are, are you surprised the market is where it is? I, I am. I am. But, um, yeah, I'm surprised. Technically, yeah. <laughs> you? I think Noah would have, uh, would have thought of that. So, so that, that kind of brings me in when we'll probably have to hit, the, hit the, um, the unemployment numbers after the break. But let me give our, our numbers in case someone wants to join in the conversation. 1-800-825-5949. That's 1-800-TALK-WGY. And I know you get tired of it, but I try to kind of I, – I try, I try to make analogies so that the average – so that the listeners and our clients can comprehend and kind of discover why they – they, they shouldn't be selling their positions in the stock market to any great extent. And, you know, I, I think I come up with the answer, and then, then I even confuse myself half the time, you know. And so I wrote a, wrote a few things down, and I want you, to, want you to kind of see what you think, you know. Uh, I think when you, when, you, when you allocate your assets, uh, first of all, I'll, I'll, I'll make an analogy, and then I'll talk a little bit about it. I said, when you and this is this is you're gonna go crazy, but that's okay. When you're driving to Florida down I-95 and you come to an accident, do you get off? If so, for how long? You know, so you're going down 95 and the road's not blocked, but the traffic's there, and you decide, okay, I'm gonna go a different route. Each time you make the decision to exit, you're compromising the predictability of your arrival, because you know invariably as you drive to Florida, and I've driven it 25 times there are accidents along the way. So I said, so then I kind of liken it to the stock market. It says when you allocate your assets according to your objectives, you accept that bear markets will be part of the process. So jump in whenever you want. Yeah. So, when, you know, so when you extract yourself from that process, 
you are adding a degree of uncertainty to the short and long haul as to where you are going to end up. So if we know that bear markets are part of the process, if we know the market does 8 or 9% a year over a full economic cycle, 10, 11, 12, 15, 20 years, when you decide you don't want to be part of that process, you're basically saying, I'm adding some uncertainty there. Because now you've got to decide, when am I going to get back in? And you're, and you're confusing the long and, you know, I, would, I don't mean to Go jump ahead. in. Yeah, please. But, you know, I, and I would say that, too. It's like, even, even, if, even if, let's say, you know, what, what, was, what was the Dow down? About 30, 35% almost? Oh, so not fair. 32 or so? You know, and I would say that, you know, if, let's say you made this call and you were right, you know, let's say so you only lost 15% in your stocks. You know, I would almost argue that in, in let's say, you're 40, that almost hurts your loss. You know, yes, it, it would have been a great call. But, you know, once you, once, as you said, once you open that door to jumping in and out, you know, just because it worked once doesn't mean it, it'll work again. As you said with the analogy, yeah, maybe you got off and you found an alter, alternative route and you saved 15 minutes one time. Then the next time you go to Florida, you do the, th- you do the same thing, but then you take a wrong turn, another wrong turn, another wrong turn. It's like, you know, it, it's just I, I, I'm way more for raising a little bit of cash than jumping all in and jumping all out because, you know, that, that's just, I guess, like a recipe for disaster. You know, it even is. you see Mohammed Alarian is probably one of the smartest financial people in the world, right? And he made a great call of, of how bad this was going to – or, how, you know, the, the market pulling back. But he's also missed this run-up as well, you know. And he's one of the smartest people in finance in the entire world. You know, it's just hard for me to believe that over the course of someone's financial life that they can – that they can – who, you know, isn't – nowhere near as capable of Mohammed Alarian of investing to, to, to always do this and think that it's going to work out as opposed to just, you know, trusting that the market will, will do well over time and take you to retirement. And, yeah, raising some cash, you know, is, is, isn't the worst. It is a way better um, idea than, you know, jumping all in and jumping all out and thinking that, um, that, that you can do this, you know, because you'll just yeah. be, be ending up buying the VIX, you know, Every time the market's up because you think you think there's this pullback in place, then you know twenty percent goes by and and you're screwed. Right. I think you know I think that's the thing. You know, raise some cash, raise a little bit of cash. You know, I think right now we're probably sitting on you know for the for newer port you know for the average portfolio ten or eleven percent cash. Obviously, for somebody who just sent money in, it's 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 a it's a bit higher than that. Or somebody who had a retirement and rolled over an IRA. And there's different objectives that we have as well. Yeah. Yeah, for sure, but. I think that's that's the whole question. When when you go all in or all out, uh, you're. And the last thing I would say about that is this: the same, you know. So basically, you decide to get out of the market. Um, now you've got to decide. You decide to get off by ninety-five. When are you going to get back? And I think that that confirmation bias, which you just talked about, that if you were right, then that kind of you make you think, okay, I can do it again and again and again. And people tend to over. Yeah, and are you going to go one hundred twenty miles to catch up? Right. Exactly. So you, know? you see it with GE. People were buying and selling GE between 50 yeah. and 60. Then GE went to 45, and they held on to it. Now hope became a strategy rather than, rather than yeah. a, an intelligence strategy, you know? One minute. Right. So I think that the, my, our point is, is that, you know, if you want to raise a little bit of cash, feel free to do it. But to go all in or all out is a mistake. And I think the same squeezing of the emotional fear of vice that was your catalyst to cause you to sell will eventually work in reverse, and there will be a squeezing of the emotion or greed vice. That's your catalyst to buy. And, and basically, the, that's, that, that, that vice to sell comes at precisely the wrong time, as does the, uh, the uh, uh, 
advice to buy. So just be careful about all that. And, you know, you want to work with someone who has a discipline plan like Fagan Associates. But right now we're going to take a break for the news. It's 1030 on the station. Depend upon for news, weather, and information. News Talk 810 and 1031 WGY. He's such a nice boy, so well-mannered. Good morning and welcome back to the second half hour of the Capital District's Money and Investment Program where you are listening to the Fagan Financial Report. I'm Dennis Fagan sitting here with Aaron as we do every Sunday right here at News Talk 810 and 1031WGY. If you want to give us a call, feel free to do so. 1-800-TALK-WGY. That's 1-800-825-5949. That is a free call. So, Aaron, I just I did that driving to Florida thing for Uncle Chris. You know, in memory of Uncle Chris, I know he would have appreciated that, you know. He would have, yeah. Would have. So let's let's get down to um, well let's get down. What do you want? To, let's talk about the unemployment rate a little bit. You know, do you want to want to yeah. recap that, or do you want to provide the you want to provide the play? I got, by play yeah, by I got our economic data right here. Okay, and you provide yeah, the, for the week. Provide the play by play up. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh baby, Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation? Where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission. At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. By the color. Yeah, here, here, here's just some, um, you know, like a couple. The, the econ, the Commerce Department reported that wholesale inventories fell 0.8 percent, which is about two percent year over year during March. Um, wholesale sales fell 5.2 percent during March. Um, you know, inventory to sales ratio was up 1.37 months during March as, as compared to 1.31 months in February, which is a, which is, I think, out of all of them, the, the most worrisome out of those three. Um, but here, here, let's get into non-farm payroll. Well, let me um, just make contracted. a because the, the inventory to sales ratio basically it says that wholesale companies have more inventory on the books, so it takes 1.37 months to get rid of their inventory mm-hmm. during the month of March as it did 1.3 months during the month of February. So if they have more inventory, they have to produce less. If they have to produce less, it's a it's a lag on the economy. So it's a backlog, and we're not we're not surprised with that really. This is the month of March where things really no. start to kick off and close. Pardon me? Let's go to the phones. Good morning. You're on the air. Uh, hey, guys. This is Al. Um, hey, Al. How are you? Good morning. I'm like, good. I noticed you sold some uh, Delta this week on my account, and I'm wondering, do you guys not think the airlines are going to come back? Or, And the second part of the question would be, if you do, what airlines do you like, and would you touch a uh, cruise line? Wouldn't touch a cruise line, Al, uh, at this point in time. You know, um, I, that was a tough call to be candid. Um, I, you know, if you look at a Delta, um, probably the best run airline, uh, down from, 
know, 60 or so, 62 to where it sits now. I think my, our main concern with Delta is it really hasn't bounced much from the lows. You know, I thought it would get more of a bounce if you think the market is up, you know, 40% from the lows. If Delta hit a low of 19 back in March, it would, it would be pushing, uh, you know, 27 or 28, and it sits here at 22.72. So, and the market has run up so much that we're thinking, okay, let's say the market, we, we do pull back a bit, you know, what's going to happen to a, a company like Delta? So I, I think that's why. I think also just the natural overhang from, from Warren Buffett selling is somewhat of a concern uh, that, that every time Delta comes out with information or any of the airlines is going to be Warren Buffett, you know, Warren Buffett's all the, you know, the brightest investor of all time. So, that kind of confirmed right. we were ho- we were just kind of holding on to it, but but we did decide to sell it. Um, we don't we don't plan on going back into cruise lines at this time. What do you have to say? Yeah, you know, I, I would um, you know, I, I would agree with that. Um, you know, if I if I was to um, get back into something, it wouldn't be anytime soon, but it would probably be something like a Southwest Airlines. Um, that does most of their traffic um, domestically, but also to the Caribbean. You know, I don't think we're going to Europe anytime soon, candidly. And even if so, I don't. You know, I, I, I wouldn't go to Europe this year, to be completely honest. But you know, maybe I would go to Jamaica. You know, so I think if I was to to, to buy something, I think people are going to fly domestically before they fly internationally. And I would I would um, go with a company like a Southwest, maybe that. Um, that that did that had most of their revenue from you know domestic flights or flights to the Caribbean, but that that's I, I, that's probably a long way out for, for me. All right, all right, guys, I appreciate it, and you guys stay safe. Take care, Al. You too. Thanks, be you good. too. Bye bye. One eight hundred talk to BGY. One eight hundred eight two five five nine four nine. So, you know, in in this type of environment, it is difficult to 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 kind of, and this is a this is a game of errors. Hope or wrong on Delta. I, I like to fly myself. Um, I certainly like to drive places. So I'm, I'm hoping that the the uh, rental car companies come back. I hope Delta comes back. I hope uh, the cruise lines come back. The, the the person, the CEO of uh, Norwegian Cruise Lines, was pretty impressive. I heard him on one of a, on a CNBC program. Um, and, and who knows? So, but I think it's going to be a little bit. I think you know. And the other thing, you know, I'm, I'm a Firm believer in American ingenuity and creativity, and and and, tens of, and actually accomplishing things. You know, vaccines take a long time. Maybe we won't have a vaccine for a year and a half or two years. And I think, you know, when you're looking that far out, um, you are saying, you know, stocks tend to anticipate economic action or industry even in movements in the industry six to nine months in advance. So I think, you know, if a vaccine comes out in the latter part of 2021. Uh, these these companies could be stuck in the mud for a while, so I think that's kind of that's kind of the reason as well. Uh, and then there's then there's you know it, like it's like anything else in life, we think there's got, there's other opportunities elsewhere um, that uh, we might want to get into, so we wanted to free up a little bit of cash. One eight hundred talk WGY one eight hundred eight two five five nine four nine. So Aaron, why don't we continue on with the non-farm payrolls if you don't mind? Oh yeah yeah. You want me? You got it. No, no, no. Non-farm payrolls contracted 20.5 million during April as the pandemic, uh, as the impact from the pandemic finally took hold on the labor market. Payroll numbers from the prior two months were revised to minus 870,000, 
and minus and two hundred and thirty thousand from minus seven hundred and one thousand. Private sector companies shed nineteen point five million jobs as the public sector slashed nine hundred and eighty thousand. Unemployment Amazing. rate rose to fourteen point seven percent during April from four point four percent in March and three point six percent from a year ago, which was I think was was the lower three point four along around there. You're right. Labor force participation rate fell to 60.2% during April from 627 in March and far below the average of 67.1 in 2000. The uh, under- let me jump in for a second. Includes- let me just, just okay. jump in for a second. So that, that labor force participation rate has been kind of like the kind of like the thorn in the side of the economy for a long time, you know. It, so basically years. that labor force participation rate says of those that are of age and able to work, in 2000, 67% of Americans were working, right? After a 10-year uh, um, economic recovery, I think that number got up to about 63% in, in January or February of 2020, fell back to 62.7% in March, and as you mentioned, Aaron, 62, 60, 60.2% in April. So that's the real big that in my mind this is the big issue moving going forward is Americans have we certainly needed to put money in the in the hands of Americans to to get them over this healthcare crisis this was not an economic crisis the labor force participation rate has been lagging for nearly two decades now as as compared to the, the historical norm or is this the historical norm? How can we get that labor force participation rate, you know, up to 63%, just back to where it was um, pre-COVID? I, 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 I think that's what I think. I think you're very right in, in that. How, when we come out of this, what's it going to look like? You know, and then you see the average weekly earnings rise 4.9%, 5%, right? And average hourly earnings almost rising 5% too. So what we're really seeing is. The low-skilled workers are the ones losing their jobs right now. You know, if average weekly earnings are going up and labor force participation rate is going down and, un- and unemployment is going up, that means you know the, pe- the, the higher-paid people are keeping their jobs. And what's going to happen when we get out of this? What if, what if companies start automating? What if they realize they don't need as many employees? You know, so that's kind of what I'm nervous about coming out of this too. Is when we do come out of this and when we're completely over this, maybe 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 the economy has completely shifted with how we work and who's working. That's a good point. I'll also say, too, though, that I think that that happened because you have companies like Bank of America and Target and a lot of, uh, lot of companies increased the minimum wage, increased the wages that they were paying through this COVID thing. So I think that's yeah. where you probably saw average hourly earnings, why that spiked and average weekly, weekly earnings spiked, because you know, even the, the, the uh, lower-level employees got, you know, a dollar or two in their pocket uh, and, you know, forget the political commentary on that, got a dollar or two in their pocket relative to, um, relative to what they're running. But that's temporary. So, so that's, you know, so, but, but I think some of it has to do with that. I think you're right there. Some of it has to do with, you know, some of the lower, the lower level earnings uh, employees were furloughed or laid off, you know. What else you got out of the employment numbers that you think might be of interest to our to our listen to our millions of listeners? I don't know. What do you think? See anything? Oh, uh, uh, let me see. Well, I think you know. I think um, underemployment. 
basically, it's people who are involuntarily or involuntarily working part time or not working consistently is is 22.8%. That's kind of the real number. So unemployment is 14.7%. Underemployment is 22.8%, up from 8.7% during March and 6.9% year over year. So that that's really the big number too. Is that you know you have nearly a quarter of Americans out of work right now. And that's going to be something that's going to impact. So I think the thing about it is you, you were just saying there, how, how, do, how does the economy recycle? How do we get Americans back to the workforce? At some point in time, this rally has to broaden out from tech and healthcare to to restaurants, to construction companies, and the like. And that's going to be the real trick going forward for President Trump or, or uh, at that point in time, uh, a President Biden. And that's that's what, uh, in the face of, uh, really what you'll see is uh, um, just budget deficits that have that have gone way out of whack. You know, municipal budget deficits, being, you know, the local, the state, and the national budget deficits that have really just you know taken it on the chin. So, so you expect to see probably higher taxes as well. So, so that's what you've got. Um, Tuning. Let's see. What do we get? Let's do next. Next, something's been driving. I already talked about driving to Florida, didn't I? Yeah. You know, a lot of these numbers are expected as we've we've thought. Consumer credit fell by 12 billion. You know, as as we've seen, people are yeah, I guess batting down the hatches. Um, you know, so, you yeah, know, definitely. You're not really seeing many surprises from the economic data. It's 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 expected, but it's it's. I think as we've been saying, it's how we come out of this. Oh, I think a positive, a positive surprise, if there is one, was the fact that the leisure and hospitality sector took it on the chin relative to some of the other sectors. You know, uh, there was expected to be, you know, maybe maybe a larger number out of retail, larger number out of government, larger number out of construction. That didn't happen. You know, so, so, so we will see, you know, how that how that goes forward. Consumer credit, like you were saying. Um, Naturally or expectedly contracted overall, overall consumer credit down 12, uh, 12 billion. Revolving credit, which is basically credit cards, down 28 billion. So people said, okay, I'm going to save what I got, and I'm not going to spend on credit. A lot of people might not have, or consumers might not have had the choice to spend because you know a lot of retail was closed. But on the flip side, um, and you might have been some some employees that, or some some Americans that thought, I'm just going to save that money. So that that's uh, somewhat of an issue there. So, I know I I know you probably we try to add some insight to as opposed or in addition to some of maybe the other shows that the, the listeners are are listening to. Uh, we've been in business 30 years. You know, I've been in this business 37 years. You've been in this business 10 years. Uh, so we're trying to get under the hood for you, so you can decide for yourself what to do. Uh, we have a weekly report that. I will put on our website tomorrow, and that weekly report, I, I think it's going to kind of um, summary, summarize what uh, we're thinking right now. The financial markets continue to rebound significantly off their March 23rd lows, pushed higher by a Fed that provided liquidity in an unprecedented fashion, as did the U.S. Treasury, the Trump administration, and Congress. It is often said that markets climb a wall of worry. However, to us, this move appears a little stretched, at least over the short term, and therefore it pays to be careful. Pick your spots, move up the food chain, look for companies with strong balance sheets or ETFs, mutual funds, and industries that are in a secular uh, growth mode. Uh, in addition, expand your time horizon, buy on weakness, 
So these are all the things. We do think some sort of pullback retest is likely, however, not nearly of the magnitude of the initial decline. Uh, we also believe that for reasons known above, among others, ultimately mid-2021, the stock market will once again be posting record highs. You know, so that's, you know, would you agree with that? Yeah. You know, so I think that's kind of what we're saying. So, you know, kind of stick into those good sectors. Um, don't want to get into the gun lack thing only because, you know, it's just more of the same of, of fear versus greed. Um, what do you think? I want to, I want to talk and mention, uh, and, and again, it's along the same vein to a certain extent. Right now we're favoring growth. We continue to favor growth over value, domestic over foreign, and large cap over mid to small caps. Although uh, your Russell 2000, which is the second, third thousand largest American stocks, did have a good week uh, this past week. But the Schwab value, which is an index fund, so it's pretty, pretty much an unmanaged index fund, is down 18.36% year-to-date. From the bottom, which is March 23rd close, it's up 28%. The Schwab growth fund, Schwab large-cap growth index fund, is actually up 0.97% year-to-date uh, and is up 35.65% from the bottom. Do you really see any change in that? No, you? No. No, I really don't. I don't see. I don't see much of a. I don't see a big change as far as uh, that that experience changing for investors. You know, in fact, if you take a look at, you know, I, I don't know Tesla would be considered a growth stock. I assume. Yeah, definitely. Even though it's an automobile manufacturer, quote unquote. You know, I, I don't know if I'd even consider it an I mean, automobile manufacturer. Yeah, Pardon me. Yeah, it's a technology company. Um, so that you have that as opposed to like a GM or a Ford. So Tesla's pushing up against its all-time highs up this past, well, its all-time highs 970, closed Friday at 819. But from the low set March 23rd, the stock has almost doubled. Whereas if you take a, a company like GM, GM is trading at uh, 24, up from a low of 14. So it's almost doubled as well. Uh, but it certainly has is not anywhere near its all-time high of 42 or 43. But I think that's that's some, and I think you mentioned it in the office either within the past week or so. Where right? you know these technology companies are really the new industrials, you know, yeah, like the semiconductors. Yeah, they're, yeah. Right. I think that's that. So yeah, we expect that. What do you think about um, international versus? Uh, Domestic. Um, that's tough, you know. I still like emerging markets more than Europe. Europe wasn't in good shape before this. It's hard for me to think they're going to be in good shape coming out of this um, or for any time soon. Um, what I would say, though, is, yeah, I like emerging markets. You know, this thing hit China first. It'll... it'll um, China will get over this first, no matter if, you know, we believe their data or not. And that's just a fact. Um, also, you know, India is starting to make, to, to interest me. They, they just offered up a size of, I think, like California, or maybe not California, but it's, it's like basically three states to any companies wanting to leave China um, for, you know, capital expenditures. So, you know, I think, I think China, uh, India is on the right um, path economically, maybe not socially, but at least economically. So, you know, I think if I was was going to invest in something, it would be emerging markets. But, you know, I, I, I'm still a little bit wary of that. 
I agree. You know, and some something else is coming to, I guess, to light or to recognition now. Why I would favor domestic international over international, domestic over international, merging over emerging over developed is kind of what you were just saying, and I think because yeah. I think you're also seeing in some of the emerging markets, obviously a much lower cost of labor versus developed market like Europe. But I think I think you're also seeing a, an economy that's it might be you know uh, might be uh, ruled by a dictator, but they have more capitalistic tendencies than than a lot of the European countries. Maybe yeah. uh, the the problem that I'm seeing with the emerging markets is with the whole COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, a lot of these economies don't have the financial wherewithal to, uh, to kind of address it. Um, either in a healthcare manner or economically, in a, sufficiently in order to uh, really stop a spread that might cripple their their economies for a longer period of time. And the second thing I would say is that, and, and you see it now with a lot of the the the, the face mask and other the PPEs and the ventilators and the like uh, medicines. I think I think there's going to be a continued movement that probably started with President Trump prior to all this. Uh, talking about bringing some production home, and I think that that drumbeat's going to become a little bit louder and louder. And if not, bring it home. Certainly, uh, diversify manufacturing facilities away from China, uh, and it, and it's, they're not going to. They're either going to bring some of these manufacturing facility or capabilities home to the U.S. and or, as I mentioned, diversify away from China, but not to developed, manuf- developed countries, but more to other emerging economies, as you yeah. mentioned, like in India, you know, or, or more into South Korea Vietnam. and the like. So that's probably what, what I would see is happening. But we're, we're underweighted internationally to a great extent. Um, I, I can punch it up. It'd take me a minute, but, uh, and I can punch that up as we speak. So, so that, so, so we continue to do our work, um, regarding, you know regarding what I thought was interesting is, um, I, don't, I guess it's off topic, but um, go for it. On, I guess is oh, you, no, you're for investors. What? What is it? I said Charles Schwab to offer investors fractional shares of trades of S and P companies starting June 9th. So called Schwab stock slices, investors will be able to trade fractional shares of any S and P company, S and P 500 company starting at five dollars each. So it's basically, so if you have $30 to invest in one to buy Amazon, Facebook, and Google, you could buy $10 worth of shares for each company, regardless of their share price, commission-free. That brings down the total cost of entry significantly for those interested in trading individual stocks. So, you know, I thought that was interesting. More for the fact that Robinhood kind of got famous with this. Um, Robinhood really appealed to, you know, the younger investor, let's say, you know, 18 to 25, who just kind of wanted to get, maybe some savings or, you know, kind of start learning about the market. But Robinhood has had major struggles recently um, since this COVID-19 started, especially when volatility was really, really volatile. Um, and really high is when, you know, the market was swinging 2,000 points a day. Robinhood's accounts were getting frozen. People couldn't get their money out. So, you know, I think this is interesting as it's another swipe at, you know, uh, another shot at, you know, the Robinhoods or the betterments of the world. Um, that are as much a technology company as an investment company. When the technology isn't there, um, you know they could be in for they could be in trouble. You know, 
Schwab has made it easier and easier for people to open up accounts online, same with Fidelity, that, you know, I think, you know, those companies like Robinhood could be in trouble. Right. Yeah. And I guess I would take that one step further. And I think if you look at right down the street from our offices, auto parts dealers, you know, ADAP, um, people go there. They don't have to own a garage to go there. They go there, they fix their car. A lot of people can fix their car. A lot of people bring it to the garage. We bring our cars to Tessman's, you know. Uh, conversely, or in addition, a lot of people can go to a Robin Hood or Schwab on their own and, and manage their own money. This is not... I often say this is not brain surgery. That said, there's a, there's a pretty expensive learning curve if you don't know what you're doing. And because the market works in a, in a nuanced fashion, but also irrationally, I mean, what, what, other, what other type of uh, environment do you kind of move through life where you're, where you're you know, putting your hand on a hot stove all the time and buying when, when, when things look the most dire? I think that's what most investors don't uh, – don't kind of understand it because it runs contrary to human nature. So I think, you know, that's yeah, the... I've seen that a lot with... Yeah. I'm just saying, I, you know, I was going to say, I'm, I'm seeing that a lot, you know, I guess it's, it's the same topic, but, you know, I think Robinhood is, is good to learn about the stock market, but, I mean, I, I don't think it's, it's a way to invest. Even, even, like, my friends, you know, we've gone from, you know, 20 to 30, obviously, in the past decade, but so has our earnings. And so has our savings. So I'm even seeing my friends in the past couple months asking me for help doing this because they have full-time jobs. They're working 40, 50, 60 hours a week. They don't want to be, when the market's down 1,500, they don't want to have to be checking their Schwab account or checking whatever account to see what they're supposed to do. You know, it, it's, it's, as you said, there's a huge learning curve to this while you're, are, while, while you're working also. And, you know, it's, you know, when, when the Robin Hoods first came out, I was like, oh, you know, how will this impact our business? And I'm, I'm thinking it's going to be actually a, a net positive for our business because I don't think people want to do this themselves. I would agree. Give us a call during the week at 518-279-1044. Check us out on Facebook. Uh, we, check our website out at faganasset.com. Looking forward to hearing from all of you. And uh, happy Mother's Day to all the mothers out there. We miss you, Mom, and happy Mother's Day to your mom, Aaron. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.